When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning, Grappling fans, and welcome to the very first episode of Who's Number One, the official rankings, news, analysis, and preview show from Flow Grappling. It's myself, Chase Smith, and Michael Sears joining me here today. Morning, Michael. And uh, welcome to our first endeavor. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, the rankings have been really popping up for us. We've developed a ton of, of different rankings. We have black belt rankings, nogi rankings, MMA rankings, all the belt levels, and you guys have questions. So we're going to kind of dive into some of that and how, how it all works out. Each week we'll talk about recent happenings, you know, recent results, big names, big big winners, big losers, and uh, how that affects those changes. Yeah, I think uh, first off, shout out to Damian Maya representing Jiu-Jitsu out there. Big win over Ben Askren. Jiu-Jitsu looked great. What do you think about that one, Chase? Oh, man, it was a big day for Jiu-Jitsu, right? An epic moment when uh, Damian was sitting on top of the cage screaming, Jiu-Jitsu, Jiu-Jitsu. Definitely ignited some of the, the wrestling versus jiu-jitsu rivalry, I think. Yeah, it's always good for somebody to go out there and uh, represent like that because we get a lot of hate in the MMA community, it seems <laughs> like. I always see people knocking jiu-jitsu. Also, big news, uh, Ashton Kutcher, brown belt. Oh, that's it, right. Yeah. Got to add him to the brown belt rankings, maybe. Yeah, one. Celebrity rankings. Pound we don't have pound, those yeah, yet. Celebrity pound-for-pound pound rankings. Ashton Kutcher's in there. And also, big news, you got a mustache now. It's true. I had to I, – I, when I was told I would be the host of the show, I need a broadcasting mustache, so – uh, yeah, the the CCO of our company, the chief creative officer, said we look like serial killers, but I think that's unfair. I think we look marvelous. Uh, oh yeah, very anchorman like Ron Burgundy. <laughs> Anyways, let let's let's talk criteria a little bit. Let's talk a little bit general and how how the rankings work, why we rank certain people the way we do, and then we'll talk about some specific changes in the sport. What is the number one thing that we look at when we're talking uh, rankings? I think the number one thing it's it's results at major tournaments, right? You go out there, you win Worlds in the Gi, you win uh, ADCC, no Gi, and then there's other tournaments that go after that in both those. you gotta, you got to show up at those tournaments, right? You can go out and win um, a million smaller tournaments. It doesn't combine to winning, doing good at those tournaments. Now, that's not just because the medal is nicer, right? It, it's the, the level of competition, I assume, and the size of the brackets. Um, but head-to-head victories are another key factor that we look at. Yeah, head-to-heads are, uh, you know, it's sort of like a tiebreaker if, if you're close with someone because – these guys all fight each other so much that it just runs around in a circle. Like a lot of times when people message me saying, oh, I beat this guy. I should be ranked higher. But it's like, oh, who you've lost to? And then they say who they've lost to. And, okay, well, you've lost to two people that he's beat. So then it just if, – if it's all just about you beat this guy, then, yeah, it just goes in a circle with everybody's beat each other basically or lost to somebody. Yeah, you know, it is a, a constant cycle out there. But there are a few guys that consistently win, and that's why they go to the top. Um, and, and something I should point out too that a lot of people don't understand is it's – it's got to be recent. Like, if you won Worlds five years ago, it doesn't count as much as winning the Worlds this year or winning Pants this year. So, yeah, recent results. I do believe we uh, we have a calendar year policy here. You know, um, you know, the, the, the last time Nogi Worlds went around is still counted, basically. So 2018 Nogi Worlds is still a relevant result. But then in 2020, the 2018 Nogi Worlds result will be greatly uh, reduced. It won't be as yeah, big it's a reduced. Deal. Well, I think the, the year uh, window 
falls more for like you get taken out completely if you haven't competed in a year. Mm. But I mean, I think you know it just the further away it goes, it goes down. But I mean, you still like when you talk about Bucetta, yeah, he's thirteen timer, so you still consider that in the rankings, I think. But yeah, if you haven't competed in gi or no gi in the last year, you're not eligible. So pretty straightforward stuff there. Um, by the way, before we get ahead of ourselves, if you've been watching Flow Wrestling for a while, you would know that Who's Number One is also an event that they hold where they pit the top-ranked high school wrestlers against one another and super fights to figure out who's number one. You know, have number four and number five against one another. They might not reach number one technically, but they find out who the best out of those two guys are. We're going to do the same thing. This is big news. So in 2020, we don't have a set date yet, and we're still building it out exactly, but we're going to put together some of the top prospects, color belts in our sports, and uh, get some really cool fire matchups going. Yeah, I'm really excited for it. You know, it's just like how Flow Wrestling does with the high school kids. It's going to be something to showcase the youth, showcase the up-and-comers, you know, take the best one versus two matchups that we got, put them against each other, have a super fight event, get some big-name black belts to top it off. And, yeah, it's it's going to be great. Sometime early 2020 during the gi season. Very nice. Yeah, that was where Nikki Rod took on uh, Pat Downey in a super fight. So we will try and emulate that slightly, have our own epic super fights going as well. So stay tuned. We're looking for early 2020, but uh, more details will be forthcoming. Then you'll hear about them probably each week on, on the show as we figure out how that thing is going to look exactly. But let's, we've talked a little bit about the general here. Let's move along to uh, some specific movement. So biggest movers, you know, let's talk about the biggest changes in the rankings. Michael, what went down recently, and what's the biggest news, I think, for, for rankings? Uh, BJ Stars. Marigali killed everybody. He showed up and just smoked everybody. Now, I mean, we moved him up to pound for pound, number one. We'll get into that more later. But uh, basic uh, recap of his results, he beat Victor Hugo 6-2. Uh, it was Victor Hugo had three stalling penalties, so he got two for that. And uh, then, I mean, beat up Hulk, mounted Hulk, beat him 9-0, and then tapped Bergenia pretty easily. And Hulk and Bergenia are both high-ranked pound-for-pound, high-ranked in their weight class. Those were big Ws for him. Uh, also in uh, that bracket, Bergenia beat low, uh, beat Leangelo in the semis. Hulk mounted and tapped Hudson. There was a lot of crazy jiu-jitsu in there. And, uh, yeah, so Marigali moving up, I think, is the big one. Yeah, BJ Stars was a badass event this time around. And... Uh, Consequences of, of Marigali moving up to number one means the current king of jiu-jitsu went to number two. That's I'm talking about Marcus Bouchesha Almeida. First time ever since we've had rankings where he he dropped a spot, and there was definitely I wouldn't say a lot of controversy surrounding that, but there was some there was some feedback we received after uh, Bouchesha left the number one spot. What do you think about all that? Yeah, there were some mad people, but I, I mean, I, I when I was uh, putting it out, I, I wrote an article to go along with it just because I knew there was going to be uh, backlash, but. I, a lot more people agree with me than I thought. I think the majority of the comments, it seemed like, agreed with the decision, and, and which, you know, is the first time Buchecha wasn't number one pound for pound in the geese, so it was a big move, but, I mean, you got to stay active. I mean, Nicholas has been way more active this year. Absolutely, and um, another consequence from, from BJ Day Stars was that Leandro Lowe, for the very first time, dropped off the top 10. Uh, he went from 7 rank to, to number 12. Yeah, I mean, he, he looked like the, the same problems he had earlier this year in the geese season. His cardio didn't look... You know where it needed to be. He was guessing even in the, even the match he won, he got a couple quick advantages and then sort of looked looked like he was breathing hard for the last seven minutes. And and then he went out there against Bergenia, lost. He lost. Uh, they actually used last score criteria. It was technically tied. Would have been a ref's decision in IBJJF, but Bergenia had the last score, so he won that match. So yeah, I mean Bergenia moved up there and then Low went down. Right, and of course uh, we can talk head to head as well. You know. Um, Braguinha lost to Leandro at Pans, I believe, in earlier this year. So he kind of 
avenge that loss with this recent win, which yeah, also helps the movement there. One and one against each other, but yeah, Bergenia won the the more recent one, so yeah, he goes up. Exactly, and uh, of course, we'll get into this a little bit later in the show maybe, but um, there are, of course, the season never ends, and these guys uh, are competing again at Spider in a crazy bracket, which will have uh, very big implications for, for the rankings. We have people like Marigali, Leandro Lowe, Rodolfo Vieira could enter the rankings as Kynan he's in Duarte. Spider. Kynan's yeah. in there. Yeah, everybody's, yeah. So the rankings never stop, and that, that's been something that's been really fun since, since Michael's come on uh, recently over the summer is that we've been able to keep the rankings moving at a much higher rate. Yeah, we got, I think, like 80-something different divisions ranked now. A bunch of, yeah, bunch of belts, insane. a bunch of male, female, blue, purple, brown, black, so yeah. A lot of stuff to check out. There are also some some women's rankings movement from BJA stars. Uh, Bianca Basilio jumps into the top ten uh, after def- uh, sum- submitting Anna Carolina Schmidt. Is that correct? Yeah, another footlock. She felt like another uh, elite competitor. Uh, if you remember, Schmidt beat Basilio in the world's final, and she's current world champion. Current world champion Basilio uh, took out probably the number one seed Fion with a footlock at Worlds, and then lost to Schmidt in a close one at Worlds. But you know, went belly down and footlocked her pretty easy here. I mean. Basilio is basically footlocking everybody at Featherway. Footlocks are toeholds on all the big names at this point. Man, she is so good. You know, I wouldn't have really noticed it uh, before ADCC, but she had an amazing, um, like, really modern footlock game. She was doing all the stuff that the the desk squad guys were doing. Like, I was really, really blown away by her familiarity and, and comfort in that position. Yeah, and her straight footlock, it's like, she doesn't just get the tap. Like, girls are limping off the mat, getting mm. carried off the mat. Like, she did a nasty one to Louisa at the World Pro two years ago. She did a nasty one to Fionn at Worlds, and now Anna Carolina Schmidt. Like, yeah, she's... Fionn again at ADCC as well. Yeah, with a toe hold there. Yeah. yeah, she's messing girls' legs up for sure. And, yeah, so Basilio takes over the number one spot at Feather. Where'd she go pound for pound? She had to move it up there, too. Uh, she jumps into number 10. All right, cool. And she's the number one at, at Featherweight yeah. currently. So, yeah, big movement from Bianca Basilio. Uh, I believe she's in it at Queen of Maths. Is yeah, that, is she's, that true? she's got some tough matches this weekend, so there's going to definitely be some movement there too. Oh, yeah, so stay tuned for an- another event coming up this weekend. Is uh, AJP is debuting for the first time ever the Queen of Maths, which is awesome. You know, it's for for the women's competitors, com- combined uh, brown and black athletes, and there it's going to be round robin. It's a lot of fun. It's like the elite top-ranked female athletes. Yeah, I mean, just in her group, she's going to have number one at uh, Roosterweight, Maisa Bastos, and number two at uh, Light Feather, Anna Rodriguez. So just that's just in her round robin to advance to the single elimination phase. So Very cool. Yeah. We'll talk about that a bit more detail later in the show. But some other rankings movement ha- have transpired recently. We uh, had Kynan defend his ADCC title, you could say, at Fight to Win. I think we have an asset here for that. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Phil, if you want to run the tape of the Kynan and uh, Nick Rodriguez. So what, what happened here, Mike? Kynan sort of inverted. Nick tried to dive on his back. Kynan went for a toehold and then something I don't remember seeing out of Kynan. He ends up hitting a heel hook. Yeah, he really seemed to have a, a different game plan, you know, at Fight to Win from ADCC. Obviously, the rules allow for that. With the pull guard right away. And um, seems to know right where to go. That was like a two-and-a-half-minute match. Never in any danger. You know, Nick did look for the back. Nick's got amazing scramble ability. Um, but Kynan seemed to have one-way traffic there. Yeah, I think everybody felt going into that one that uh, those rules favored Kynan more than ADCC rules did because obviously Nick's uh, wrestling helps him a lot at ADCC. But, uh, yeah, you saw the difference in strategy. Kynan just sat right down, went after the, the leg lock game. And, uh, yeah, there wasn't really any ranking movement at the weight class there because those were already one and two. So mm-hmm. they just stay in the same place. 
but kind of moved up pound for pound after that. So I think it's number four now. There we go. And those, of course, are the Nogi rankings we're yeah. talking about there. But kind of is actually the only guy ranked top five pound for pound in Gi and Nogi, I believe. Yeah, that's a key stat right yeah, there. Yeah. That's, that's wild. As those uh, different styles diverge further, that's a big topic in jujitsu. But let's talk um, something that is very difficult for us here is uh, submission-only fights. Those are hard to rank, right? Yeah, I mean, if they get the sub like that, that's a case where it works easy, you know, kind of mm-hmm. clear victory. But a lot of times, you know, especially in the gi, you're ranking these guys basically off of IBJJF and AJP events that are all the same rules. So then you throw in a, like a submission-only ref's decision where it's sort of different criteria than, mm-hmm. than what they're normally going after. And you can look at a match where in their normal tournaments they would have won, but they lost a split decision here or nothing really happened, and it's just like a toss-up, split decision. So... Yeah, I think if there's no sub in a submission-only event, it's it's hard to move somebody up or down based off of that result. Yeah, we'd love to actually hear from you guys out there. You know, how would you rank submission-only performances? Sometimes there there is, you know, a very dominant match that doesn't end a submission. Yeah, that might uh, be like easier. JT Wagner's an example. Exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fight to win a couple months ago before ADCC. That you could, you could somehow conceivably move the rankings that way, but when a close match, man, it's, it's hard, hard to say, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, moving on then, another recent result. We had Gabriel Souza uh, come on strong at Nogi European Championships. Uh, I think that was two weekends ago with a win over Paul Meow. Yeah, but he actually beat Paulo in the quarterfinals, surprisingly. That's a crazy matchup to happen that early in the tournament. Yeah, I don't think Gabriel does that much Nogi, so IBJJF probably didn't have him uh, seated uh, that high. We didn't even have him ranked Nogi going into it. He, I mean, he's obviously super active in the Gi. Mm. Does so many AJP. does every AJP event. There's a bunch of IBJJF events in the Gi, but... Yeah, big upset there over Paulo, who was third. He was ranked third going into that after his bronze medal at ADCC. That's so, right. Yeah, Gabriel jumped up pretty high there. And then um, Talson Soares, back on the competition scene. He's been living in Australia as he builds out his new academy. I think it's somewhere on the, on the Gold Coast. Yeah. Uh, one more reason to go down to Australia, man. They seem to have all the good jiu-jitsu these days. Uh, but he won the Pan Pacific division. Yeah, Pan Pacific is in uh, Australia. I mean, this was, uh, I think, his second black belt tournament. He did the Moscow Grand Slam, I yeah, believe. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But he's not has been, ever since he opened his academy in Australia, he hasn't been as active as he used to be. Remember, purple, brown, black, he was competing every weekend. It's a bit harder to do that yeah. when you're in Australia. <laughs> but he, he tore it up at that uh, Pan Pacific. He got two chokes from the back. One guy he was beating 16 nothing. another guy he was beating 22 nothing. So... Great second tournament for him. You remember his first one? He lost to Babeto at uh, at the Moscow Grand Slam. That's so. right. That was his debut, and it was a super close match. Was it by advantage or like a sweep? It, it wasn't by much, right? It was. I think it was by an advantage. But uh, yeah, going into uh, 2020, Talison, I think, is one of the big questions for the Gi season. Is is where is he's going to fit in? Because you don't even know who's going to be at that weight class. Right. You know, Talison has had the benefit of having a lot of teammates and his his uh, brackets coming up through the colored ranks. And now it won't be quite as as straightforward for him. You know, yeah, world he might have someone like Mikey Musumeci, for example. Yeah. You never know if Mikey makes the cut again. As I mean, far as making the weight, you mean? Yeah. It, well, he, he pulled out at Pans, remember? Because, well, because yeah, of, but he be- won a world. So yeah, no, but he, you know, that's what I'm saying. You don't know if he's going to go back to rooster weight or go to light feather. It's true. He had trouble making it at Pans, and also Bruno and Kyle. Who knows what's going to happen there? They might. I mean, we thought they were retired a year ago. But they came back. So, yeah, it'll be interesting where Talison fits in there. He's got that loss to Bebeto. But, yeah, I think he climbs the rankings pretty quick. Do we uh, do we know if Talison plans on competing internationally as he builds out his academy down there in Australia? Or? He told me he's doing Nogi Worlds, and then I think his uh, next gi tournament is going to be Europeans. He, okay, so he'll I be know back he's, on the circuit. He's then. going for the Grand Slam in the gi next year. Very nice. Yeah. Um, we, I think we have one more clip here for the next thing we're talking about. 
We uh, had a great submission at Fight to Win with, with Dante Leon versus Azaki Bahayans. That was a, a wild match, absolutely. Very quick. Nice look at this. Look at this. Right and it's tight. We uh we both said Mike that that we thought the ADCC wow. camp Zaki from from Dante's preparation would, would be a strong helping hand here, right? He yeah, because Zaki kind of slammed the guillotine there. Didn't work, but yeah, Dante's been on a tear in no gi. Yeah, he had the ADCC camp. I mean, if you just look at Dante's year in no gi, he's thirteen and four. He beat Lucas Lepre, Izaki, John Satava. He choked Edward Nazmi. He choked Mateus Lutz. I mean, he's had a great year in no gi. Hmm. Uh, what did that do for the rankings, right? Because that—that's the submission-only match. So you can't move—you can't move Dante up there because uh, if you look who he's behind, he's already number four after ADCC. I mean, obviously JT's one, and then two and three are guys who already beat him recently, Wagner and, and Gary. So he stays in the same spot. But I mean, he's had a great year. He's a pretty firm number four there for sure. Yeah, and, that, uh, that's a tough thing for for um, some of these guys looking for that number one spot. Who's number one? When you claim a major title like ADCC, it kind of seals the deal for at least a little while, right? A little while, yeah. You got a little little leverage there. And, uh, I mean, uh, Izaki was looking great, too, the week before, remember? Izaki mm -hmm. beat up on Felipe Cesar Silva, killed him a week before. And Felipe's a great competitor. Felipe made it to the pan, Nogi Pan's absolute final. And then for Dante to go out and get that quick guillotine, it's incredible. incredible. Another, another big submission for Dante there. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen the divisions yet for Nogi Worlds, but it would be great if we saw both those guys enter. I know Isaac's been, been teasing that he wants to go out there. Isaac, Isaac told me he's going to do it. I'd imagine Dante will. seems like that's an event Dante always does. and I mean, he's basically a Nogi guy at this point. I don't see why he wouldn't. That's going to be, I believe, the... Uh, watch it, no, that's not true. That's not the last major Nogi competition. We have a pretty crazy one coming up here with BJ Fanatics uh, that we have to pay attention to coming up pretty soon. Dante's going to be in there, too. That's right. So. Yeah, it's uh, 29 guys. It's going to be on Flow Grappling. Uh the big one, obviously, is Gordon Ryan, huge favorite. Uh, you got Hulk in there. You got uh, Tretor, two guys that Gordon beat at ADCC and are ranked second and third behind him at 99 kilograms. But Hulk, Tretor, Kyle Bame, you got uh, Keith Krikorian, Jonathan Gracie, who's one to keep an eye on, Dante Leone. I know I'm probably leaving some people out, but, yeah, it's going to be a stacked uh, submission-only event there coming up November 15th. Is, a, is Kyle, Kyle Beam in that, the guy yeah, who yeah, beat, yeah. beat Dante recently? He beat Dante recently, yep, and, uh, at an event in Ohio, I believe. He's going to be in there, and, uh, yeah, a lot of names there. Uh, EBI rules. I mean, Gordon's obviously a heavy favorite, especially when you throw in the EBI rules, like the king of EBI. Mm -hmm, but, I mean, mm -hmm. any rules right now, Gordon's the favorite. Uh, he double gold at ADCC, double gold at IBJJF. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to count Gordon out, and I, I think at this point the rules aren't aren't a, what that's carrying him to those victories. Um, let's talk about Gordon a little bit here. Uh, he's the current pound for pound uh, Nogi number one ranked athlete over Andre Galvao. That's that caused a little controversy. Yeah, I don't get why. I mean, if you just look at Gordon's resume recently, I mean, I mean Andre's had one match basically. I think before the Pena match, his last was King of Mets. In like 2018, right, which was a gi tournament. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Felipe Pena is obviously a big one. I, I bumped him up to number two, you know, based, basically off his legacy. I mean, look great against Pagisa, but I mean, if you look at Gordon in the last year, double gold at Nogi Worlds, double gold at ADCCs, won a few super fights. I mean, submitted six out of eight people at ADCC. I don't think there's really any argument to put anybody above him at Nogi. Yeah, I mean. I don't just try and uh, echo what you say every time, Michael, but I got to agree with you. Gordon's work rate has been phenomenal this year, as, and he's been winning everything pretty much without uh, any contest. Galval, though, you know, this is this is where we run into the problem of legacy and uh, the value of, of a title, right? Like the ADCC uh, Superfight title is probably 
like maybe the biggest thing you can win in our sport right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's the, it's the biggest nogi uh, title you can get, but then you just got to look at, like, the competition. Like, Gordon beating Buchecha in the absolute final, beating Hulk in his weight. Like, Gordon had more matches to get it done. And, yeah, I think just more activity. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think those those criteria make a lot of sense. And I, I do believe uh, some of the, the confusion out there in the world is that we think Gordon Ryan may be the number one ranked GOAT athlete of all time. Well, or people, yeah, they call it Flo Gordon. Flo uh, Gordon. <laughs> but you got to look at the submissions. Gordon taps a bunch of people. I mean, I just think you say anything positive about Gordon, it's going to get hate online. He's got so many enemies in the Instagram comments that, I mean. Uh, he loves ev- his enemies, Everyone though. knows he's the number one guy in Ogi right now, but people just don't, they just can't take it. But what I, what I was getting to is that uh, we're not talk, we're not ranking legacy here. Yeah. We're ranking sure. yeah. season, right? Yeah. That's that's the one uh, distinction that I really hope we drive home throughout the, uh, the sh- ongoing of the show is that, you know, these are real-time results. These are, these are uh, attached to something in the world happening today. They're not just ranking a lifetime achievement so i think uh andre's uh super fight win definitely puts him in the conversation of, of top two but it's not one win isn't enough to claim the number one spot i'm hoping to see more out of Galvao. i mean hopefully That'd be great Absolutely. yeah i mean he looked great there he did not look like somebody who needs to be retired he he looked unstoppable against felipe Pena. i think i mean you go out, put him out there in the weight class i think he's he's Going to be contender for that absolute title if he was out there. I think he could – the way he looked there, I wouldn't have been surprised if he would have beat Buchecha if he would have beat any of these other guys out there. Let's talk a little bit more about the, uh, the, the top ten of these pound-per-pound pound thing. We can run through them real quick here. Uh, I think it will give the viewers out there some insight on the how, how we rank everyone. So we have, of course, Gordon Ryan and Andre Galvao, one and two. But then we have JT Torres at, at number three. Um, 77 kilogram athlete, right? Didn't do the absolute, and yet he's uh, very high in the pound for pound. Well, that's something a lot of people don't understand. Uh, for some reason, people think pound for pound equals absolute champion all the time mm. or absolute success. No, I mean, are we going to count out uh, a guy like Mikey Musumeci from the pound for pound rankings because he doesn't do the absolute? No, it's not about winning the absolute. Being, winning the absolute does not automatically make you the pound for pound best. And then you look at JT, I mean, technique-wise, I think he was – Maybe the most technical competitor at ADCC. Didn't get a point scored on Yeah, him. unscored on. Beat some really good competitors there. Beat Wagner pretty handily before it. I mean, and then you, you throw in his legacy a little bit just to boost him there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think just coming off of ADCC, you, I, I think there's even an argument potentially to put JT at number two. But, yeah, number three is a good spot for him, I believe. Yeah, and this goes back to what we were saying earlier in the show about the, the quality of the bracket. We, we were calling uh, – the 77 kilogram division ahead of ADCC, the group of death, the yeah. bracket of death. Uh, I mean, every every division there was was insane, but that one there was no easy matches. So that is why JT was able to climb the ranks based on his performance and also the the difficulty of, of that division. But we also have another uh, lightweight guy there, number five, Tanquinho. Right? He, uh, I think he burst onto the rankings, right? Because he hadn't been been doing too much nogi work. Well, he's uh. He's, I think he's got some fight. He's definitely got some fight to win stuff. He's the mm-hmm. fight to win uh, champ, the Nogi champ. He just uh, defended against Mateus Gabriel right, right after ADCC. Yeah, but uh, yeah, he won a tough bracket there. He, he had a, he had a tough road. If you look at, at ADCC, I can't remember. Oh, his first match was Krikorian, mm-hmm. right? He beat Krikorian pretty easy. His second match, he beat Mateus Gabriel. Very tough match for the quarterfinal. Then he beats Paula Miao, and then in the final he beats Kennedy pretty handily, pretty decisively. So, I mean, you, you go through that bracket, and then he goes back the next week and defends his, t- his fight to win Nogi title against Mateus Gabriel. I mean, Tanquino, 36 years old, he's on a tear in the Nogi scene right now. He's just, yeah. Absolutely. Can't deny that. 
Number four here, we have, we have Kainan Duarte. I'm jumping around a little bit, but I just wanted to highlight a, a lighter weight guy as I'm perhaps biased as I fit in that, that category myself. But Kainan, as you mentioned earlier in the show, is the only athlete, I think, off the top of our heads here in the top five from Gi and no Gi. Yeah, and he's got a, I mean, he's got a very good case to be at the top of either one. I think there's just some losses that are holding him back. I mean— so where, did, where does that absolute um, submission loss? What does that do to him? Yeah, that really messed things up. There it was. Uh, I mean, if you if you just did the weight classes, I mean, kind of beat Buchecha in his weight. Right, like, that's crazy. He had he had a great run in his weight. He beat Yuri and Buchecha. He beat two two time ADCC champs in his weight, and then he goes out in the absolute and he loses to a low ranked uh, seventy seven guy in Lachlan. Which I mean, obviously Lachlan tapped a bunch of good people, but yeah, I think that hurts his case a little bit there, but. I think Kynan, you know, he's going to st- we know he's going to stay active. He does a bunch of stuff. He does fight to win. He does everything. I think we're going to see Kynan coming for that challenge of Gordon for the number one spot here and challenge for the number one spot in the gi. I think I'd be remiss not to shout out Nick Rodriguez as the only colored belt on the top 10 here. Um, yeah. Of course, he just got his purple belt after his silver medal performance uh, at ADCC, one of, the, one of the craziest things. And I'm very excited to say we have – uh, a feature uh, coming out next week on him. It's going to be awesome. Stay tuned for for more previews on that. But Nicky Rod's performance was was one of a kind and definitely earned him a spot here in the top ten. You look at who he beat: Ali, Orlando Sanchez, Ali, IBJJ Black Belt World Champion, Orlando Sanchez, ADCC Champion, Cyborg, ADCC Absolute Champion. I mean, he goes out and beats th- those three guys. I think the scary thing for him is. You look at the top ten, and they're all guys who've been doing jujitsu forever, been training, competing at this high level forever. The ceiling is is pretty high for Nick. I mean, the sky's the limit for that guy because he's barely been training. He's got like less than a couple years of training. He's already up here competing with the best guys in the world. I could see him climbing up those ranks pretty quick. Yeah, I think I think he's going to be a, a key guy to keep an eye on, unless he uh, goes straight to Hollywood. You know, Nick's been getting a lot of attention. His resume has just been exploding, and he's he's been working hard. So I'm, I'm kind of hoping he stays with us. I don't know. He could go anywhere, really. Um, but let's move on to, to the Gi pound for pound just a little bit. We touched on it earlier uh, with Marigali taking the number one spot. We have Bouchesha at number two. Lucas Lepre comes in at, at number three um, with Kynan and Mikey rounding out the top five. Let's talk about that a little bit here. So Lucas Lepre, let's talk about why he uh, made his way into number three. Are you just biased towards 77 kilograms, Michael? Is that your spot? Yeah, I mean, that's the weight <laughs> class I always competed in, but uh, – <laughs> Yeah, uh, Lepre, he took a loss to, to Levi this this year, but then he can't. I mean, he has a big, if you're talking pound for pound, being a 77-kilogram, a lightweight guy who beat Kynan at Euros in the absolute, mm-hmm. that goes to help him a lot. He goes, wins uh, lightweight at Worlds for, you know, the whatever, fifth, sixth straight year. I think yeah. unscored on again or something yeah, crazy. Yeah, he's, he's very dominant. His technique, I mean, he, besides that one Levi loss, he's looked untouchable at lightweight for years. And uh, I think, uh, yeah, I think... Kynan's got a very good uh, case to be above him. I, I originally had uh, Mikey ranked above Kynan, just going off of Mikey's undefeated uh, run this year. And then uh, some P- Talos and Soros hit me up with an argument for Kynan. We went back and forth for a while, and I, I saw the light. But I think the thing, the tough thing with Kynan is he competes so much. Like, uh, it's great, but then like when I think I mean, when you start thinking about losses, and I'm like, oh, he lost to Lepre, he lost to Chitor, this. But then you realize other guys don't compete like a fifth mm. amount of time, so they're not putting themselves out there as much. So I don't think you can really punish Kynan for doing every tournament and you know taking a loss every now and then. Yeah, I mean, his schedule was absolutely insane last year. He went from winning World Pro, and like four days later, he was on the mats in, in Brazil competing again and taking silver at Brasileiro. It's one of the toughest tournaments on the face of the planet. 
No, he didn't. He didn't make the finals at Brasileiro. That was the, that was his one stumbling point. Oh, oh, sorry, he lost sorry, to, sorry. He, I think he lost to Chitor in the quarterfinals of the weight. Was it absolutely? I'm thinking of what absolute. He lost to Marigali maybe in the semis. Got that was it. the big okay. one where Marigali okay. choked him. Yeah, sorry. Even I get. But get yeah, he won Euros. Won Euros. Won Pans. Won the World Pro. Won Worlds. Passed Leandro's guard. In the final. In the final. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he's had a crazy year in the gi as well as no gi. Yeah, Kynan, Kynan is is the future, I believe. You know, he's a. Uh, Untouchable, it seems, except for those rare instances we mentioned. So that puts him there at number four. Uh, rounding out the top ten, we have Paul Miao, number six, um, Felipe Pena, seven, Gustavo Batista, Gabriel Arges, and Hulk coming in there at number ten. Yeah, basically uh, the only people who didn't win Worlds there are, well, I guess Paulo technically didn't. He closed out with his brother, but Paulo was pretty untouchable, light feather this year. Uh, Bergina took second to Bergisa, but just looked great at BJJ Stars. And Hulk... But this is the thing. Hulk was double gold at Pans. Burkini was double gold at Euro, so that was kind of a lot for it, too. Mm, absolutely. Um, let's look ahead a little bit now. Now we've kind of discussed the current state of the rankings, and guys, we, we cannot state enough that there are so many rankings. We didn't even really talk about what, what happened at, at Purple and Brown Belt yet because that would take us— Well, first we got we didn't get too much into why Marigali is number one over Bichecha. Okay, we can go—let's yeah. go back. Yeah. Let's go back and check it out. Um, you said We said earlier that Marigali's work rate was crazy and that he, he had— Taken out a lot of key names, but what, what stood out the most to you? Well, they both have one loss this year. Puchetcha lost to Joao Gabriel, you know, ref's decision at BGJ Stars. Uh, Marigali, everybody knows, lost to Keenan 2 0 at, uh, at Worlds in the open class. Neither one was really a bad loss. I mean, the, the Keenan loss was like a 2 0 loss, but he had like nine advantages or something. Mm-hmm. Like, Nicholas didn't look bad there. And uh, Buchecha, Joao Gabriel was basically nothing to happen. But, I mean, Buchecha's so 5 and 1, Nicholas is 19 and 1. So he's competed four times as much. You look at you look at Nicholas ranked wins this year, and how he beat him. He tapped Ali, the returning world champ. He tapped Kynan, the guy who's number one at heavyweight. He tapped Virginia, who won double gold at Euros. He uh, who, who else did I leave? Oh, he tapped Felipe Andrew, who mm-hmm. won Pans and Euros. He uh, beat Hulk nine zero, mounted him, who won double gold at, at Pans. So uh, these guys are some of the top ranked. Oh, they're all basically top twenty pound for pound. And Nicholas has tapped all of them except for Hulk, and Hulk he mounted and beat 9-0. And then, uh, yeah, just that work rate, the amount of submissions, and I'm leaving out subs over guys like Panza, subs over guys like Tanner Rice. There's a bunch of other good guys he subbed. And I think something that hurts Buchetch is, I mean, yeah, every, okay, this, everybody says he's the absolute world champion. Listen, that's not just winning that tournament. The, what's the point of having the rankings if just winning that tournament you just pound for pound forever? You got we, we got to keep adjusting the ranks. We got to w- reward Nicholas for his method of victory, the subs, for the ranked wins, for the more activity. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think something that really hurts Bucetta there is the closeout in the world's final, in the absolute. If he goes out and he beats low, I think he's got a much better case. Interesting. Yeah, closeouts, of course. You know, you just can't count them as much. And yeah, it's th- not it's not the same as like a closeout in a division. Not the same as Nicholas going out and tapping Ali. In Definitely. the final, can't, you, you got to be crazy to think that's the same thing. But people are crazy. Yeah, I've had people. Uh, you've had this as well, where they'll say, um, you know, some divisions there's a closeout even in the semifinal, and they want they want to call the bronze medalists, you know, champions as well. And it's like that guy didn't even step on a mat. For oh them. yeah, yeah, we're definitely not having that here. With, yeah. you know, we're not going to refer to you as a world champion if you closed down the semifinal. You but. know, I said it once before on my my personal Instagram. Actually, I put it out there that you know, like I won't call someone a champion if they took silver technically on a closeout and that's just how i feel you didn't you didn't you're not listed you're not listed as a champ yeah so. it degrades the title really if it how many then you got more world champs you have i mean yeah 
I think it's something something's bad for the sport, and I think and if you're talking rankings, I don't think you can count closing out a final the same as actually going out there and winning the match. Don't get me wrong, I, I do understand that um, you know the pain you might feel as an athlete taking on someone that is your close friend and training partner, but right now it's just part of the sport, and either you kind of push through that or you don't get the, the quite the ranking push that you might like. Yeah. Huh. Um, but good stuff there at the Marigali. You know, really, really highlights there how he uh, how active he's been. I'm looking forward to him again, as I mentioned earlier, competing at Spider. And well, that one's going to be crazy. That's be- insane. Because right? I mean, if you look at you got Ky- basically whoever comes out of there is pff, if him or Kinda comes out of there, they're they're number one pound for pound in the gi. Because you're probably going to have to beat each other and beat Adolfo, and maybe Leandro Lowe. You never know how the bracket works out. But those four are in there. Adolfo is a big wild card. Adolfo obviously not ranked because he hasn't competed in forever. He beat Ali in 2018. His first gi tournament in like four years, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, who knows where you put it off if he comes out of there. But I mean, if Kynan he's goes, got to be number one. He's got yeah, to be. yeah, yeah. If Kynan, yeah, if Depen- Kynan, depending yeah. if he's Marigali, I guess. But yeah. If, yeah. Kynan, if Kynan goes there and wins a rubber match with Marigali and then beats Adolfo, I mean, pff, clear number one. So I mean, that that spider hundred kilogram bracket's going to have a lot of implications here. Yeah, th- I was talking to Tim Spriggs the other day um, in my series Chasing Greatness, where I, I talked to active competitors, champions, and you know, kind of what's going on in their lives. And he he was saying that that's how he's viewing Spider. He was saying, "I'm so excited to to compete at this event because if I win, I'm number one." And, yeah, you know, and I I can't argue with that. You know, I mean, uh, you look at a guy like Spriggs could potentially have to fight all three of those. He might have to fight Kynan. Marigali and Hodolfo to win the tournament. So yeah. That's what he wants, by the way. He's yeah. saying he wants the toughest road, and um, he's looking forward to those kind of challenges. So I, I cannot wait for Spider. That's happening November 23rd in Seoul, Korea. Uh, I'll be on the ground there with, with our counterpart here, Ryan Smith, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So stay tuned for more coverage on that. We've already got a few articles on the site uh, detailing who's in and uh, the stakes at hand. There's $100,000 per division. Yeah, per division. That's, that's got to be the biggest purse. The biggest think. purse I've ever made, and maybe someone's privately paid more, but I've never heard of a public announced purse that's 100k. That's pretty crazy. Bringing out all the stars. I mean, bringing Adolfo out of retirement for that one. Yeah, it's gonna be sick. So. A, lot of, a lot of love for your stash in the comments right now. Yeah, on Facebook and YouTube. Yeah. Thanks, guys. One guy wants you to cut it, but everybody else is giving it love. But. Th- that is pretty good. That's yeah. that's a good ratio. I, I appreciate that. Shout out to Balea, Ricardo Amendolias. Comment on your stash on both YouTube and Facebook. <laughs> Ricardo is a super fan and one of the most important people here at Flow Grappling. Uh, good man there. So let's talk a little bit more upcoming events. We, we touched on Spider a bit there, but this weekend we have Tim Spriggs actually in action against none other than Herber Santos. That's the number six ranked guy versus Spriggs number 12. That's a, that's a wild matchup, huh? Yeah, it's uh, Herber's another wild card here when you're talking about this stuff because he basically he's only been competing down in Brazil. He had that, you know, big incident in uh, BJ Stars where he attacked the C- Felipe Pena's friends in the crowd or whatever. <laughs> yep. And it seems like, you know, rightfully so, he's been basically blacklisted from a lot of big events after that. But, I mean, I think we're going to see more of him in 2020. He'll uh, get back into things. But he's been beating a bunch of people down in Brazil, so it's hard to know where he's ranking because, I mean, he's a, he's a world champ, but he's so inconsistent. Like, if you just look at Herberth, I mean – some of these losses he has. Brino Mascarenas, you know who that is? Can't say I do. Verbal tap. He lost to this guy by verbal tap, so I don't know what happened there. Anton Manenko at the World Pro, that yep. infamous one where he tapped the bottom of side control. I mean, but he's beat some really good guys over the year. I mean, he tapped Hudson with a toehold at the uh, King of Mats. 
He beat Jackson Souza a couple times there. He beat Evangelista. So he's got some great wins. He beat Gutenberg at fight to win, rest decision. But he's so inconsistent, you don't know where to rank him. He hasn't been doing the biggest tournaments. But, I mean, this will be a big one for either one. It would be a huge one for Spriggs for sure if he posts it off against the world champion. It will be a nice one to show what Herbert's looking like against the top competition after such an inconsistent run. Yeah, Spriggs is super excited. You know, he couldn't wait to take this match. They're actually ex-teammates. Um, uh, Herbert spent some time at TLI. I, I don't know how much time, and that was a few years ago, but Tim pointed it out that they, they kind of know each other's games a little bit. Yeah, when he was at Brown Belt. I think he won the absolute at, at Brown Belt while he was at TLI. So, mm. Yeah. So that's, that's going to be a great matchup. Definitely uh, nonstop action, knowing both of those guys. But it, Herbert, Herbert's mentality is a big question here, right? You know, you never really know which, which Herbert is going to show up, as we like to put it. Um, either he could be on fire or who knows. <laughs> yeah, I mean, wild. I made the article the other day about his biggest wins. He's beat in the gi. Andre Galvao, Hamilo Bahal. He's a world champion. Felipe Pena, yeah. uh, Bernardo Faria, and Muhammad Ali. Five, five black belt world champions that I, I mentioned in the article that he's beat. So when he's on, he's on. And he's, I mean, he'll jump to the mount. He'll... T- do that he'll get the cross collar and just bounce your head brutal, off the mat yeah, yeah. yeah tim does the same thing though. that's yeah, why i like that's this what match. i'm wondering what's yeah, gonna yeah. go on if they're both gonna take the cross collar and the sleeve grip and just you know <laughs> huck each other around yeah, a little bit see who's stronger see who's got better technique there but yeah i'm excited for it, it should be a good one too those guys both bring it i think we're gonna see some good takedowns there and uh yeah very excited for that one me yeah. and you will actually both be there that's right we're both gonna be on the ground in denver um it looks very cold and snowing and i don't own any snow gear so we're gonna have to figure that one out uh, but that's not the only ranked match on the card there. We also have Manuel Hibamart taking on Mauricio Oliveira. Mauricio burst back on the competition scene last weekend uh, at Fight to Win with a win over Matt Layton. At, yeah. And uh, looked very, very dominant there. This is a great matchup, right? Yeah, Mauricio, I mean, Hibamart's ranked number three. Hibamart had some big wins at the uh, LA Grand Slam. Hibamart beat Izaki, beat, I believe, Tinoco. He beat, let me let me, let me check Hibamart real quick. Hibamart this year, 19-5 in the Gi. He beat Tinoco, and he beat Izaki. He beat Hinaldo Jr. He beat all those guys at the LA Grand Slam. That's three three big wins. And uh, Mauricio is somebody uh, – I'm really high on Mauricio. Mauricio's number seven currently, but I could see him winning Worlds this year at Black Belt. He, uh, he was a stud at the color belts. Hmm. Blue, purple, brown, three years in a row, won it and won it easy. And won some of the toughest brackets at his division every year. Yeah, l- let's let's pause there for a moment and let that sink in for you guys out there. He won every belt in consecutive years. Um, that's like the biggest argument against sandbagging there is. You yeah, know, I like, think he won blue belt at 18, purple belt at 19, brown belt at 20, and I think he's like 22 now. Took crazy. a year off. Yeah, he took a year off and he's back. So yeah, like we're all very excited. He had some tough roads. When he was a purple belt, I remember uh, – he had, I think, one year beat Levi and Mateus Lutz before he even made it to the semifinals. It's wild. And then, and then I think we Jake Watson and then tapped Alex Muniz in the final. Like, what a, what kind of purple belt bracket is that? <laughs> uh, blue belt, one, the first time I found out on blue belt, he beat Andrew Wiltsey, the returning world champ, in the first round. And then I think he beat Connor D'Angelis the next round. So he had some tough. Uh, and then brown belt, he beat uh, Don Bell a couple times. So he had some tough brackets, and he was running through these things. I'm really high on Mauricio. Great guard passer. Passed Mac, Matt Lane's guard in like under 30 seconds last week. And I think this is going to be a matchup. I mean, Hibmar's got one of the best guards in the game. Yeah, he's, he's also really adopted a lot of that lapel stuff. Yeah. He's, he's really great at the worm guard. Had that crazy submission over Calisans, uh, right, a couple months back. Tapped Calisans uh, with the arm lock at uh, Pans. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was losing under a minute. Hit that uh, Hail Mary arm lock on Calisans. And, uh, yeah, Hibmar's had some big wins. I think Hibmar pulls. We're going to see Hibmar pulling versus Mauricio trying to pass. <sighs> 
It's going to be a fun match. It's going to be a fun match. I hate to say it. Hibmar's got such a great guard, but I can't. I'm a big believer in Mauricio. I wouldn't be surprised if Mauricio can get the pass here. But, I mean, this is fight to win rules, so you got to attempt submissions. That's true. And uh, Hibmar's a regular at fight to win. He's been on a few times. Also, shout out to Hibmar, him and Nacielli. Uh, just opened up a school, I believe, down there. Um, San Antonio. San Antonio, Texas. Not too far from us here in Austin. So, good luck on your new venture, guys. And always excited to see people doing new things. Michael Liera is also uh, joining us at Fight to Win. We have John Combs on the card. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's, it, Seth from Fight to Win always pulls out all the stops for Denver. It's their hometown. And so we can't wait to go out there. We're going to be flying out Friday. We see some coverage from the weigh-ins and uh, all the updates, all the news will be there. But that's not the only tournament this Hold weekend. quick. This guy's asked twice, who do we take, Ryan Hall or Gordon Ryan? I think Gordon Ryan's an easy choice there. Yeah, that's a tough, <laughs> tough, tough uh, challenge Gordon there Ryan's for Ryan. Like, yeah. Ryan's like sixty pounds heavier than him at least. What do you what do you think about this um Lachlan Giles, Gordon Ryan feud that we've been seeing online here? It's kind of a similar size disparity. Lachlan seems to be having some fun with it. Gordon yeah. not enjoying it as much. Yeah, He's a little angrier. Yeah. I don't know. I think I mean Lachlan knows he doesn't I mean what they're trying to do like a leg locks only match or something, something weird? Something something like that. Five hundred thousand dollar uh Monopoly money's on the line. Yeah, I think it was five hundred thousand of Gordon's versus five thousand of Lachlan's. Yeah, Gordon's pretty confident there. Which I mean, it's a good deal for Lachlan, yeah, though. Yeah. I'd, I'd still try it. Why not? But I think um, Gordon's pretty damn good and much bigger. So, but you never really know. Um, let's see what else we got going on this weekend, Michael. We have the AGP tour returns. We mentioned a little earlier. That's the the Grand Slam series. That's down in Rio. A little sad. It's my first time not going to that in in two years. I, I miss Brazil, but. Uh, even if I'm not there, the show must go on, and the division's looking really good, especially at the the color belt levels. Yeah, I mean, you got uh, a blue belt. You got you got some number ones at adult. You got Joao Hibero, number one at light feather, and Luca Romachi, number one at light. But I mean, the big the big star at blue belt is uh, juvenile Michael Gaval. I mean, the next big thing coming out of uh, Brazil, out of Dream Art Manaus. Uh, I think what 106 straight wins, 103 by submission. So I think he'll be a big favorite there at juvenile. You guys hear that? 106 straight wins with 103 submissions. That's yeah, freaking crazy. Yeah, he's a stud. I mean, we've already got. Whenever we make a date for fight to, uh, for the uh, who's number one event, you can bet Michael Gavall is going to be on there. He's the biggest name juvenile out there. Uh, purple boat. You got uh, Nathan Fernandez at Rooster. He's he's a killer. He's a guy. His problem is he doesn't have a visa. He's he's won everything outside of the United States the last couple of years. He's a couple another dream art guy. Anderson Diaz, number one at middle. Marcos Carozinho, number one at super heavy. Marcos took second at basically everything to Anderson Muniz last year. Mm-hmm. Anderson Muniz moved up. Brown belt, you got Fabricio Andres. I'm excited to see Fabricio back. Fabricio Andres, uh, he's back down at the weight he should be. He did LA Grand Slam at like 77 for some reason. Mm-hmm. He's back down at 62. And, uh, yeah, he's another guy. He's like just like Mauricio or kind. He won blue and purple back-to-back years, and now he's at brown belt. He's probably young. I imagine he's probably 19, 20 years I think years it was old. just his birthday, actually. I think I saw it on Instagram. Yeah, so. yeah he can't be too old. But uh, Benz, my friend. Yeah, another savage out of Manaus, Fabrizio Andre. And then you go to another guy from Manaus, number one at brown belt, Diego Sadre, Alex Sadre's little brother, who mm-hmm. beat Mayram in the uh, world final last year. And uh, he's got a tough matchup, though. Louis, this guy, Luis Paulo Carnero Medeiros from Dream Art. He won Brasileiro up at lightweight last year. Looks like with the day before Wayne, he's cutting down. He's going to go against Sadre here, so that'll be a good matchup for him. You spent some time at, at not to derail this too much, but at Dreamart, they, they're responsible kind of for this new surge of uh, alliance athletes that have been taken over some of the color belt rankings. Yeah, they scored like forty-two points, maybe more at Worlds. It's uh, 
I went there a couple of times when I was living in Brazil. It's uh yeah, it's, it's just a project uh, sort of headed by Zaki and funded by some other people that's got phew, ridiculous amount of number ones and they got number one. They got Michael Galvao. We just talked about Anderson Diaz. Lucas Gualberto, the Muniz brothers, they got a whole bunch of number ones. And it's, out a, there. it's not just a gym or a team, right? It's, it's kind of a holistic program where these kids are they're also getting an education. They're getting physical therapy. They get physical therapy. They get college paid for. They get English classes. They got, I mean, it's incredible the investment that the, they're making in, in these kids down there. And it's not just about jujitsu. They're making an investment in trying to get them, you know, send them to college, getting them, teaching them English, all this other stuff. So it's pretty incredible. That's great. And it's also, you know, great that it's paying off in, in competition results. So it's a, a win-win for those kids down there. So then we go to 77 is crazy down there. You got Lucas Protasio, I believe one world of purple, but you got uh, Victor Nichao from Faye Jones, a stud. You got Alex Muniz, Brazilado champ at uh, Brown Bowl last year. Andy Murasaki. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's always on the podium at all the big events. Gabriel Costa is another guy with no visa who won uh, Brazilado at purple last year. So you got those one, two, three, five guys in that bracket. It's going to be crazy. 85, it gets uh, a little nuts. You got Lucas Goberto, who's number one at middleweight. This is where it gets weird with these, because now we're, we're at AGP where they got different weight classes. Right, so you're seeing it does guys, make it tricky. You're seeing in the day before weigh-ins, too. So you're seeing guys cut down a bunch or the guys who are in between there. They're, so you got right now you got Lucas Goberto's number one at middle. He's going to be fighting Conor D'Angelis, who's ranked at medium heavyweight. And that's a, that's a crazy matchup right there. Those are... T- Two really good brown boats, Luke, Lucas Gualberto and Connor D'Angelis. Remember, Lucas beat Jonathan Gracie at, uh, I that's believe. Right, that's right. That's right. I'm looking forward to seeing Connor. Um, is it his debut at brown boat? Uh, no, no. He uh, he had that w- super fight against Rada in. Oh, uh, that's right in Korea. In Korea, yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. came. I just kind of looked at my Instagram like, oh, he had a super. Fight he might have done some other stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But his first, maybe first maybe major tournament. I'm looking forward to seeing how he's doing down there in Brazil. That's a that's a big one for him. Uh, 94, you got, you know, the pound-for-pound pound number one at Brown Belt, Eric Muniz at 94 kilograms, the guy who did double Grand Slam at Purple last year. Great worm guard, total stud. 120 is going to be crazy. You got his brother Anderson Muniz who closed out the uh, – we're going to talk a little bit more about Anderson later. Mm. But uh, the guy who closed out the absolute final with Eric is in there with number one and two, both from GF team, at ultra heavy. So they're normally another, – another situation where they're normally different weight classes. You're going to see Anderson going up against Wallace Costa and Pedro Piment, the big dudes. It'll be interesting to see how he deals with the size. But, I mean, Anderson's a pretty big dude, though, too. Yeah, Anderson's huge. Yeah. Those, those, uh, like 6'5", 220. These guys are probably closer to, like, 260, 270 or something, though. Muniz brothers are always fun to watch, all three of them there we mentioned. Uh, moving on now to the brown and black belt divisions. Uh, the women's groups look stacked, actually. And, and at AGP, uh, as I'm sure many of you guys know out there, they combine brown and black belt women's divisions to help fill those, out, those brackets out a little bit. And there, there are some fun potential matchups. We have Misa Bastos in play with Brenda Heller. Um, Amal is also in at this, this tournament. What else is going on there? Well, this, this, is, this gets crazy for the rankings with the women's brown and black, right? Because with the brown belt girls, what do you do? If they win, great. Or even yeah. if they look good, great. Like, if you go out there and you look good against, you know, Luisa Montero as a brown belt, great. You might even go up for that. But if you lose, you can't do anything to them, really. I mean, they're fighting the best black, black bib, Zilio, Luisa Montero, Maisa. But something that happened recently that, I mean, we're going to see a rematch of at 49. The number one uh, rooster weight brown belt girl, Brenda Larissa, beat the, the reigning black belt world champion, Maisa Bastos, at a recent mm, AJP. Mm. And they're, gonna, they're both in 49 kilograms here. And another interesting one, you got Gabby Pisania, first-year black belt. She's beaten Acieli a couple of times when she was a brown belt. That's these right. Events. 
but she'll probably have a rematch here with Yara. Yara Soros from TLI, from Team Lloyd Irvin and Gigo, the girl who, remember, choked her in the World Absolute Finals right, last year. Maybe the first time Gabby's lost uh, <laughs> yes. in years. First time I've seen her lose, yeah, yeah, for so. sure. Yeah. Yara's a killer. Um, I had a lot of fun watching her at all the tournaments. She got promoted mid-season, which was kind of crazy, right? She went from from purple. I to, believe she did Euros at purple belt. Yeah, she did. So that's an unusual fact there. But happy to see her at the highest level now at AGP. Quick uh, rundown of the black belt division: You got Babette Oliveira, fifty-six. You got Gabriel Souza's got to beat an army of Cicero Costa people at sixty-two. <laughs> Isaac Doderline's doing sixty-nine. Brazilado champion Igor Rodriguez at seventy-seven. There's a bunch of people in these brackets just to rank guys. The big one is uh, 94 is crazy. Fernando Hayes, number six. Adam Wardzinski, number seven. Patrick Gaudio, number eight. Jackson Susan, number 11, all in that bracket. Yeah, it seems like, uh, you know, maybe I'll miss a name or two here, but less international competitors than, than past years. We have Adam Wardzinski and um, Isaac Doderline as the two key uh, non Brazilian athletes and down there. And a mall for the girls, yeah. And a mall, yeah. A mall yeah. is from, from Belgium, I, I believe. think the big story down there, though, is uh, the title fights in the Queen of Mets, though, right? Yes, go on. So, AJP, um, the King of Mats format is finally coming into play here. So, when someone wins the King of Mats tournament, they've had light, heavy, middle, and heavyweight, I believe. They are the king of the mat, and then they've ran that for two consecutive seasons. Now they have two champions that where they're going to solidify the title. I believe that's how it's playing out. So, we have uh, number seven ranked uh, Sajorio has taken on Isaac Doderline. Charles Negramonte has taken on Azaki Bahayens. And Joao Gabriel Souza has taken on Jackson Souza. All those matches have some ranking implications there. Dude, Isaac Doderline, this year, just in a gi, 29-6. 35 matches in a gi. I mean, he's beat a lot of good guys. I mean, he lost four times to Paulo. He obviously avenged that win to Paulo. But he got Brazil- that big win. Got yeah, the yeah. big win against Brasileiro. I guess him at the Brasileiro. Got a lot of ranked wins here. Uh, I, I think I'm going to have to favor uh, him to take out Sajiro. Sajiro hasn't been as active. He basically only did Worlds this year and uh, couple other things and then uh i think azaki uh, big big fa- i'm gonna say big favorite over negromanti but negromanti's good under these rules he's he's one of these guys one of these like diego romayo type of guys who i think does better under agp rules but i'd have to favor azaki big time there and then the oh man that's a tough matchup for jackson yeah yeah joe gabriel hosha is, is a little bit bigger than, than jackson jackson um, had a rough time with Birginia at uh bj stars right, Birginia beat him i think 15 nothing mounted him twice you know, maybe maybe home field advantage is playing for Jackson. I know he's been down in Brazil, hanging out uh, in Cantagallo for maybe a couple of weeks now. Who knows how that'll play into it? But um, I'm looking forward to seeing that match. That, that's that's a great one there. Uh, they also have the very first. Let's let's not forget Queen of Mats going down this weekend. So AJP is un- unfolding their their women's version of, of the King of Mats, and that's that's a great great tournament down there. We have Maisa Bastos, Bianca Basilio, Anna Rodriguez. Amal, Luisa Montero, and uh, Talita is down there. So the first group is Maisa, Basilio, and Anna Rodriguez. Maisa and Basilio are both number ones. Anna's number two. They're all different weight classes. Do you think uh, Maisa's got the size to handle Basilio? It's going to be hard. You know, and I, I don't know how she does it, but Maisa is very, very talented. So. I mean, Karen Antunes could not pass her guard at Fight to Win yeah, uh, exactly. when they were fighting. And Karen Antunes is, I believe, around the size of uh, Basilio, but... Yeah, yeah, she that, submitted yeah, Basilio at one point. Karen Antunes did. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, that's a tough matchup for her. Anna Rodriguez is tough, though, too. Anna Rodriguez just beat uh, – she had a couple big wins at uh, AJP. Event. I know she beat Amanda Montero, I believe, and maybe Amal, somebody like that, maybe Amal. Actually. She did beat Amal yeah. uh, a, a year ago, actually. I was there. Maybe she's beat Amal twice. Yeah. She had two good wins. So, yeah, Anna's a first-year black belt, one brown belt last year. The other side, I think you got Amal and Toledo, but – Louisa should be a lot bigger than them. I, I, I'd have to favor Louisa there. 
Yeah, great stuff. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, the Queen of Mats unfold. And shout out to the AJP for for promoting equality and pushing things forward in the sport. Um, one more division, or not division, excuse me, event happening this weekend that we got to take note of is the IBJJF Long Beach Open is happening. And that is actually being streamed live on Flow Grappling. And uh, Hal Teague, our correspondent, will be out there on the ground giving you all the updates. Some fun uh Purple belt divisions are unfolding, as well as a couple key black belt names there. Yeah, there's a few uh, good. I mean, you got number one uh, roosterweight Kevin Carrasco is fighting at light feather. You got this guy uh, so Rafael Silvera from Athos, who, uh, who's number two at lightweight, but he was a blue belt uh, world champ, I believe, last year. But I think the big purple belt matchup that you're uh, looking forward to there is uh, Jansen Gomez and Mateus Rodriguez out of AOJ. Hmm. You remember uh, Jansen usually fights Tynan. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That's that's a great yeah, one. Yeah, so you got Jansen's number two right now at uh, Purple Middle. Even though he's a reigning world champ, he lost to Anderson Diaz at the uh, LA Grand Slam. But he's going to go up and wait to medium heavy this time, and he's going to fight Mateus Rodriguez. But I don't think going up and wait is going to be a problem for Jansen. Man, I was watching him at uh, Las Vegas, the Las Vegas Open. He was fighting the Open Class against Javier Zaruski. Javier is a big dude, very good super heavyweight. And at, le- at least once, maybe twice, Javier like t- swept him or took him down, put Jansen flat on his back, and... I don't know. Jansen just turned into like a superhero and like just stands right back up, like like against a guy thirty forty pounds heavier than him from straight off his back. The Derek Lewis method there, yeah, just stand yeah, up. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, it was like Javier just couldn't hold him down. But that's a great matchup, and I think there's a little bit of a rivalry there, probably because so many times Jansen's fought Tyne now, and I remember he beat him in the world final. Tyne got injured in that one. That's right. And another one to watch. She's a she's a little little gangster, Jessica. Mm, savage. Yeah, total savage. Number one, uh, weight and pound for pound at uh, rooster uh, at uh, rooster and pound for pound at purple belt female. And yeah, she's incredible. She just stomps girls. She's, I love. Yeah. I, I like her a lot because uh, she does the absolute too. She does absolute worlds, and yeah, you know she's yeah. the smallest weight category. I, I, it's always amazing to see uh, athletes challenge themselves like that. Yeah, she's she's one of these people who gets stuck and like she can't be promoted yet. She won every she won yeah. everything at purple belt, but her just by IBJJF time limit, she can't go up to brown belt yet. So here she is. You know, sucks for the girls who are at purple belt rooster <laughs> one more, weight. One but more it, tough yeah, year yeah, for them. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think Jessica should be a heavy favorite there. Also, the, uh, the girl who won blue belt, her teammate from AOJ won blue belt uh, open class at Worlds. Uh, Yasmin Caceres there. Brown belt, you got Roberto Menes. Black belt, you got a few ranked people: Israel Souza, Feather. I think. Uh, Ronaldo Jr. is going back down to middleweight is something that I'm I'm looking forward to. He was he did medium heavyweight a bunch last year. Mm-hmm. I didn't know I thought he was going to be too big to go back to middleweight. Maybe it's just because Atos has already got so many good medium heavies. I don't know. That is a challenge they have there, right? Their the roster is packed, and you got to kind of even if you're Ronaldo Jr. in your spot, which is a terrifying thought. But I mean, Ronaldo, I I, th- I think Ronaldo at uh, middleweight, I could see doing a lot of damage this year. I think him and Mauricio are both two people to watch in middleweight. And Mauricio then, Oliveira. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think uh, you got Orlando. I think when it comes down to the open class, I think it's going to be Orlando Montero, who's at medium heavy, competing with Ronaldo Jr. probably. Yeah, a um, couple key women's names too. We have Karen Antunes, but she's also on, I think, Fight to Win this weekend, so we'll see if that works out. Yeah, we don't know. They're yeah, technically on different days, so maybe she'll pull it off. Two days in a row, I don't know. I think she's a black belt world champ, so she can just uh, sign up for free, though, so maybe she just... Got it, got yeah. it. Let me check and see if any other big-name black belts jumped in last. Oh, you got Gabriel Almeida's in there. Rafael Vasconcelos. Jake Watson's in the same bracket as Orlando, a medium-heavy. That's a fun matchup. 
Um, in any case, we'll be sure to, to update you guys right before the event pops off. Maybe some names will slide in there. And again, stay tuned for on-the-ground coverage as, as how we'll be out there on the ground. We're coming to the very That's end. That's just Sunday, right? Streaming on Sunday. Just on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. It's a one-day event. Um, so stay tuned for that. Uh, we're going to cap the show now with Prospect Watch. So we talked about him earlier. Uh, Anderson Yunus is someone that we think is going to do big things this year. He's President Spider. And we got a cool little video here that um, shows some highlights of Anderson, right? And um, that'll be the way we ca- cap the show each week, I think, is we're going to talk about someone that is making some movements in the rankings and uh, someone we should keep an eye on. Yeah, I'm really excited. I mean, this guy, he's a purple belt, but, I mean, he already beat some big-name black belts. He's a brown belt now. When he was a purple belt, he beat some big-name black belts as Spider. So we know he can do it, and it'll be interesting. But this bracket's a little bit tougher than that one. So Absolutely. Let's, let's uh, run that clip if we have it back there, and uh, you can see some of – Anderson's moves here. This is Spider, and Spider is one of the greatest looking tournaments I've ever been to. It's it's absolutely here's, phenomenal. Here's, here's versus Mateus. Uh, Anderson's got a great lasso guard, which is it's got to be frustrating. He's, he's so huge. He's like six five, two twenty, right? And there he gets that little ankle pick against Mateus. I think he beat him by two here. But uh, you'll see a lot. He gets he gets the lasso. He just tilts people to the left. This was the advantage that won it for him. Chalking up a triangle at the end. Yeah. Uh, this is his marquee win at uh, Purple last year. Beat Conor D'Angelis in the world semifinal before he closed out with his brother. Yeah, he's got great passing as well as, as a guard game. He's truly a tough guy. Look to, at this. Uh, Look at the way he tilts him from the over-under. You'll see him do this to Roberto later, too. Amazing. He's got him in over-under. He just grabs the pants in the sleeve and just tilts him over. Yeah, He's always tilting people to the left. Big guys with, with agile guards are probably the most terrifying. Yeah, this guy's 6'5", six, six, 220. He posted There's a tilt. Posted a video not long ago of him just like doing a backflip off a wall at 6'5". Right here, look. Oh, Roberto working the over-under up. Just knock you over this way. These are all, you know, really tough competitors, too. Yeah, so Anderson will be uh, back at Spider in a couple weeks here. It'd be, it'd be Definitely has an uphill road. Yeah, yeah. interesting to see who he gets. Look, right here. Lasso. Take him over to the left. Be, I mean, his guard is, has looked unpassable so far in his career, but he hasn't had to go against Adolfo Vieira or Nicholas Mirigali or Kine. Any of those guys are going to be tough. This is the world's final versus that guy, Carozinho, who's currently number one still. Tillis finishes with a single leg. Man, he's, he's something else. He's really, really talented. I'm looking forward to making waves. That lasso guard, I mean, we're going to see. His guard, like I said, his guard's looked untouchable so far in his career. But, I mean, he's going to have to keep it off over here from passing his guard now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's definitely a bit of a challenge. Wait, imagine there. if he, imagine if this guy goes out and wins Spider. What happens then? I don't know. The rankings are out the window <laughs> then, apparently. Well, guys, I think um, that will cap our very first episode of Who's Number One. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. Let us know in the comments there uh, how, how, what you thought of it and what you want to see. Stay tuned. We'll be back next Wednesday at 10 a.m. Uh, that's CST with uh, more updates, news, and analysis. Thank you for joining us. This is Michael and Chase from Flow Grappling, and we'll see you on the next one.